Welcome to the Miles Not Included podcast. I'm Joe. And I'm Brian. Run with us as we talk training, racing, and everything in between. Welcome to episode 13. Today we have a guest who just set the new women's world record for the 50-kilometer treadmill run. But before we talk to her, it's time for... Miles in Review. Well, Brian, this week uh, I'll go first because there wasn't a lot of running here. There's actually no running. So I made a little bit of progress uh, last week, if you remember. Um, I had to stop running, uh, abandoned all my hopes for St. Louis, and ended up having to go to the doctor. I gave in. <laughs> Didn't want to, but uh, went there, so uh, got prescribed a... Uh, Two things. One, an anti-inflammatory. Yes. The other, a uh, muscle relaxer. So, so you're real relaxed right now. I'm very relaxed, so I don't know what I'm saying, what's coming out of my mouth. But yeah, the, the progress, a little bit of progress, not as much as I would have hoped. Uh, Ten days without running now, and I'm still having pain when I walk, which is giving me some concern that maybe it's not just soft tissue stuff like I was suspecting. Um, I guess the the upside is a lot of the pain that I had in the front of the hip in the side, that's gone away, and now it's it's really kind of the uh, lower back, um, like where that perf. I, I think it's piriformis, but I'm not exactly sure. So my plan here is to take a couple more days of the meds, and if I'm still feeling the pain when I'm walking, to go in because I guessing at this point or at that point it'd be prudent to get a an MRI on it. So are you doing any stretching and stuff in this time? So right now, no. Uh, those first day or two, like when I shut it down, I was, and I felt like it was getting worse. And after reading and kind of consulting people, it's the I, I thought it would be prudent to kind of do nothing. Um, didn't want to irritate it any more than I had. So I'm not foam rolling, no massage, just really leaving it alone. And trying to get some, I mean, just the walking is a little bit painful. The nice, I guess the upside is um, I can sleep well, and the pain, the pain meds might have, the muscle relaxer probably has something to do with that. Great sleep actually. Um, but I can, I can sit and um, if I lay, I mean, as long as I'm not moving, it feels fine. <laughs> the only problem is when I start walking and obviously at this point, I mean, running is absolutely out of the question. I just want to get this to simmer down to the point where I can start to do a little bit of stretching, uh, be able to hop on the bike, do something to get moving again. So looking, looking back, is there anything that you think you could have done differently? Like more, you know, working other muscle groups or, you know, just running less or stretching more or anything along those lines? Probably all of the above. <laughs> yeah. If I'm really honest with myself, I should have added, I should have added some rest days. Um, I, I would have been pretty good about taking a day off every week or two weeks. And as we headed into the home stretch here, as we got deeper into March, I felt like, oh gosh, everything's going great. I can push it a little bit. And that it really wasn't good. And some of that super intense soreness that I had after uh, my big weekend, that big weekend where I did sort of back-to-back longer runs, I, I, sh- I should have known that, I mean, there's soreness and then there's that really deep soreness that should have been my cue to take a day off. But 
hopefully I'll learn from this and not repeat the mistake. I just really hoping that this is soft tissue and not some sort of um, fracture, you know, something along those lines. And whatever it is, hopefully, you know, going to the doctor and if you do eventually get an MRI, just finding out what it is makes such a difference in the treatment for it. Even if there is no simple fix, at least you know you've isolated what the problem is and how to either strengthen around it or, you know, not overdo it when you're out there doing your consistent running. Yeah. And I think that that strengthening that you mentioned, it's, I've got to do that. I, I had slacked a little bit on some of those exercises that I was doing. I had lifted some of the PT, uh, stuff that I had done from years ago and it started introducing it, but you know, you know how it goes when you start rolling and you get a little bit busy and you know, the miles are clicking off and you feel, you're feeling good. That's when I, you know, those things kind of, I went from, you know, four days a week to three days to two days to, you know, I sort of abandoned that. So I need to definitely get back on that. Um, cause yeah, history has proven that this thing just keeps coming back again. So I got to be more diligent about it. But enough of my uh, woeful state of non-writing. How are you doing? I'm I'm actually right now. Uh, as you may be able to tell by my voice, things are a little rough. Uh, in general, I'm feeling pretty good. I managed to pick up a cold that I that's been bouncing around the office the past week or so. So uh, I'm in. I'm over the sore throat stage, but I'm in the congestion stage. At first, I started panicking realizing, okay, I'm about to start the taper and not really the condition you want to be in when you're supposed to be, you know, healing up and everything. But at the same time, being two weeks out should be plenty of time to get over it. Um, you know, obviously my biggest fear is it's settling in my lungs and then that messing with my breathing. But I, I really don't think that's going to be that big of a problem. Uh, in terms of running, it was a, a, a solid week, um, about 50 miles this week. I did five days of running in a row. I doubled on Wednesday, nothing over the top, but, um, you know, just so I could get a little extra mileage in there. I did my last long run on Saturday and it was a bit of a grind. Honestly, it was probably the toughest feeling long run I did this entire cycle. You know, my 22 miler a couple of weeks back, I think three weeks ago, seemed like a breeze compared to this, but this one, I don't know what it was. Just the last couple of miles were a real grind out there. Um, so I'm glad to have that behind me, but now I'm looking forward to the taper. Uh, I took Sunday off in order to recover from Saturday's long run. And then this week I'll be looking to hit somewhere around 30, 35 miles. And then it's on to race week, which will be, you know, 10 to 15, something like that. But, you know, now I'm focusing on stretching, uh, similar to what you had just said about doing your stretches and your lifts and what you used to be doing. I'm sort of going into the same thing with my stretching and my rolling, um, where I'm neglecting it and I really shouldn't be. It's real easy when you take a day off to say, oh, I'll do it later or I'll do it tomorrow. It's not a big deal. But those days off are really when you should be stretching, you know, while your body's healing, stretch. So uh, I'm going to try and focus on that over the next couple of weeks here. And just, uh, as I said before, it's going to be an accomplishment to, you know, stand on that starting line on race day and, you know, feel confident in everything that I put together and actually be able to get a marathon under my belt this year. Yeah, no, for sure. When was your, that's, when was your last marathon? Uh, November of 2013. Okay. So what is that? 
18 months ish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's quite a, it's quite a long time. So have you locked down any goals yet then, or are you still going to use the taper to figure that out? Um, I'm somewhat tentative to say it out loud. Uh, but initially, you know, I wanted to just, it was an accomplishment to start. And then I said, uh, about three thirty would be my goal. And then, you know, at one point I thought to myself, maybe it's three twenty. And then I started thinking, oh, well, maybe three ten. Uh, but two weeks ago I had some really good runs and looking back at my log at some of the quality that I put in, as I mentioned last week, I say I didn't do much quality, but um you know, I really did do a lot of cut down work on the treadmill that I wasn't really counting as quality. So when I had some solo runs over the past couple of weeks, I've put together some really solid times that are actually not far off from what I was running before I got injured. Um, so that's making me consider run, you know, trying to run a a three hour flat marathon, um, because of injury and whatnot, I'm obviously going to play it by ear. And I'm sure I'll talk about this, you know, over the next couple of weeks as well. Just taking it day by day, seeing how it feels. Um, most of my runs, I ease into the speed. And as a lot of people know, on race day, you get caught up in that gun going off. And I don't know how my body's going to respond to that. Um, you know, if I go out quickly, is it going to get real tight? Is it going to seize up on me? So, you know, obviously just seeing what happens when I'm out there is going to be a big part of this, I think. Yeah, just be smart. If if your goal is to finish, I think kind of that strategy you're talking about makes sense. You you don't need every single second out of the race. You don't want to take those chances and potentially cause yourself a, um, you know, a real bad time there. Well, and the, the I'll be really interested to see the weather. the The weather has been just crazy. You know, we had we hit like seventy one day, and you, you, we come back with thirty. So. That's definitely going to be as it is always for the marathon, but I think especially these spring marathons, the weather's going to be the big wild card for you. Yeah, and you know, I'm just keeping my fingers crossed. I've run in cold, I've run in rain, I've run in heat. Um, so as long as it doesn't snow, I think I'm pretty solid there. But <laughs> you know, it's that's out of my hands, so all I can do is be ready for anything. Yeah, the snow would make for a spectacular setting, though. Great <laughs> photos, right? Yeah, and clearly that's what's most important. Absolutely. All right, Bryce, should we wrap this up? Yeah, let's do it. Let's get to it. All right. Well, we'll get to our guests. Before we do that, just want to remind you always, if you have a second, if you can get over to iTunes and give us feedback, we would appreciate it. Now on to our guest. Our guest today resides in London, where she is a running coach and personal trainer. Her passion for running extends all the way to the ultra distances, where she has competed in 100 milers. She recently applied her expertise in ultra running to set a Guinness World Record for the fastest female 50 kilometer on a treadmill. We're happy to speak with Gemma Carter today. How are you doing, Gemma? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. Well, thanks so much for joining us. So the 50 kilometer treadmill record seems to be kind of a hot thing right now. Am I am I am I am I correct? <laughs> yeah, you are. Especially um the weekend that we all did it, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. So so how did you how did you come up with the idea? Was this independent of Michael and the other people who were doing these treadmill records? Yes, it was. Um, 
I believe I was uh, the first one to uh, come up with the idea. Um, it was about November last year, um, and a friend of mine uh, actually was attempting the male 50k treadmill record, and he, he completed it in um, three hours and six minutes, and um, I knew at the time that there wasn't an official female record, so at the back of my mind, I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I'll do that, you know, when it's right. Um, and um, about December, another um, athlete who was pretty good here in um, England, Tracy Dean, she uh, went for an unofficial record. So not a Guinness record, but just a, an unofficial attempt at four hours, 15 minutes. And then after that, I was like, okay, yeah, I've got to go for it now. You know, I've got to, got to go for a good time you know with a bit more competition so I contacted Guinness and went through the whole application procedure and had it all fixed for the date of March the 6th um, and a couple of days before I was actually speaking to um, Mike Wardian through Twitter and I think I must have tempted him he's not one um, to kind of uh, do things easily and he was I think he I believe he was on some kind of cruise ship or something like that at the time. And he was like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll give it a go. So funnily enough, uh, I think a day and a half after I did mine, he went for his. And then just coincidentally, um, the 12-hour record was broken by, um, I think his name's Dennis, who lives in New York. I can't remember his surname. but So by the end of the weekend, three records were broken. <laughs> but wow. four times, actually. By Mike Warding doing it twice. <laughs> <laughs> now that's awesome. So you you hit on something that I wanted to ask you about. You talked about unofficial versus official. So can you walk us through the Guinness requirements that you needed to um, jump through? Yes. Um, well, it's pretty uh, complicated. They uh, they want everything to be pretty pretty done by the book. Uh, what you have to do to start with is you have to apply or set up an account with or register with Guinness um, and then you apply um, online say what record you're trying to attempt they go away and research it check if there's anyone that's done it before and they basically tell you yes you can or no you can't I got my approval through a couple of weeks before so with that they send you through um, some guidelines which are specific to your attempt so you know it depends what record you're trying for mine were quite quite thorough um you know to do with making sure the treadmill is kind of calibrated and service prove that it's you know it's recording the distance exactly um i had to make sure that i had um official witnesses um uh, two actually who weren't people i knew they had to be reputable people in the community so basically i went and found some policemen <laughs> two police cops and uh was like hey you'll do um and i didn't grab them from the street or anything by the way <laughs> I, I did find find them beforehand not just go hey come come with me um and um timekeepers and they have to be people that um, can prove that they have qualifications in timekeeping so like i don't know sports coaches or something like that um, we had to um, prepare the room. You have to kind of do all the checklist. You have to do some kind of forms beforehand. Um, you have to have like a logbook, um, official stopwatches, um, and the video has to record everything you do. 
Um, you have to announce who you are and everything beforehand. It has to record the treadmill uh, like dials so you can see everything. Um, and you have to have photographic evidence while you're doing it. So basically, they just want to see as much evidence as possible. Um, so you have to just prepare that because obviously on the day, you just don't want anything to go wrong. So making sure that the video doesn't cut out halfway through. We had a backup. So we had a normal camcorder and then we had a webcam um, just in case. But actually the webcam, the computer crashed for some reason. <laughs> so luckily our our camcorder, which was the, the main um, video recording, um, worked fine. So it was okay. But you just got to be, you know, check. And the treadmill, obviously, we had to check that it wouldn't sort of cut out after an hour. I'm sure you guys know when you go to gym, some of them, if you want to run for longer than an hour, they stop at 60 minutes and then sort of cool down. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I don't want to cool down. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to check that that was all kind of um, checked beforehand. So nothing would go wrong on the day. Um, so that was pretty much as far as my preparations in regards to Guinness went. So that was the official part that you asked about oh that, that's some awesome stuff and i in my, my personal feeling i think you made the the record a little tougher with a couple of additional elements one you started at 4 p.m am i correct yeah <laughs> and then the other you were you basically had nothing to look at you were staring at a wall <laughs> yeah um I mean, it probably would have been much more entertaining if I'd stuck a film on or something um but uh, your first regard in the 4 p.m., that was uh, pretty much out of my control because the place that um, had offered to help me out, um, which is called the CHHP, it's a performance lab in, in central London who I've done a little work with. And they basically volunteered to say, hey, come do it here. We've got a treadmill. We'll set up the room um, and, you know, we'll help you out. Um, but because it's a performance lab and it's used in office hours through the day, they wanted to book me out later in the evening or afternoon when they knew it wouldn't be with clients coming in and out all day. Um, so unfortunately, I said, yeah, sure, you know, four o'clock, that must be fine. Um, hadn't really considered that, you know, being an ultra runner, most of my races start at six o'clock in the morning. Um, and it's not that great running at 8 p.m. at night <laughs> on a treadmill. Um, on a Friday night, I can think of better things to be doing with my time. Um, but I mean, you just have to prepare. I mean, you know, you deal whatever cards you're dealt with, you just find a way around it. Um, and then, uh, as you say, staring at a blank wall, um, and again, wasn't the most entertaining thing, but I, 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 for me, I felt it was the right thing to do because when you're running, um, and it's, you know, you need to be focused, um, and being stuck on a treadmill, I needed to be focused on the task at hand. And to be honest, I wanted to minimize any distraction. So with a blank wall, you know what you're getting. You're getting a blank wall. If you have other things buzzing around the room and distractions, you, you, it might actually mean that I was losing focus. I needed to kind of concentrate. So uh, actually in my training, I, was, I, I did a lot of my training practicing, practice runs going up to the actual attempt. Um, downstairs in some uh, basement gyms where there was just white brick walls and I'd just run for three hours at a time on the treadmill there staring at this white wall. And it's really actually not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> you get used to it. You you actually start entertaining yourself in your in your mind. You find you find things to think about. <laughs> so how big was the room you did this in? 
not that big. I mean, <laughs> it was. It's a small. I, I guess I could call it clinic. It's like a. It's like a just a small lab. They have a few bikes in there that they do like VO two max testing on it and something they call CPEX, which is to do with your blood levels. They like, you know, lactic threshold testing. So it was. It just had a few machines in it. Um, it's basically the size of your average bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> How many people were crammed in there with you? <laughs> well, to start with, there were six. Me and me in the treadmill, and then the camcorder on a tripod. By the end of it, there were about 12 or 13 and people standing in the, the doorway. Um, so it got pretty hot in there <laughs> <laughs> and, and quite stuffed with people, I must say. It was like sardines, really. <laughs> yeah. Did you do anything to try to mitigate the heat, try to bring the temperature of the room down or anything? Yeah, I, I brought a fan in and made sure it was as near as possible to me cooling me down. Um, and we opened, there was like, even though it was in basement, there was, next to us, there was kind of where all the extraction fans and ventilation unit was outside. There was like a small window, even though it was downstairs, it was kind of in the basement with a window, if that makes sense. Um, so we just opened the window and tried to get a bit of air in. Um, but unfortunately, because it was right next to where all the ventilation units were, all you got was this big humming, buzzing noise. <laughs> so we had to kind of lower it down a bit. Um, but it was okay. I mean, you kind of got used to it, really. I, I also made sure I wasn't wearing too much clothing. It was just a sports bra and some really tiny shorts. Um, so I was pretty cool. And actually, more important than the the kind of the cold air coming through the window, it was more about the ventilation because you want to kind of have air circulating in the room so that it doesn't get too stuffy mm -hmm. um, and that really helps with the cooling system just you know it enhances evaporation basically but as long as you're drinking enough um the the kind of the ventilation in the room was the more important point um so that was the best we could do really Yes, in, on that point, jumping off there, can you talk to us a little bit about your nutrition? What did you, because it was later in the day, how did you approach um, fueling for the run? And then for the run itself, uh, what was your nutrition like there? Well, before the the race, I mean, this was actually going into uncharted territory for me because normally I, I mean, you know, pre-race fueling is the night before, you, you know, generally you're carb, carb loading the days before and then you sleep and get up, have your breakfast and you go race. So this was all a bit new and I was like, okay, well, I've got to have a few meals through the day. What do I have? Not, you don't want to have too much, but you want to have the right food. Um, so I spoke to, um, I've been working kind of loosely with a nutritionist who's part of the, the team at that, the lab where I was doing the run. Um, and he was just basically said, as long as you have a good meal, carb, carb esque, kind of with a lot of carbs in it, about three hours before, and about 500 milliliters of fuel, uh, water or drink about two hours before, that should be okay. Um, and then for the actual run itself, I've been practicing with just gels and water. Um, the gels have electrolyte in them, so that covers that aspect. And these gels are, you know, it, you get about. 30 grams of carbohydrate per gel and they're the same brand I've been I race with so I was pretty certain that they'd be okay um, but the only consideration is that you don't want to drink too much because you're on a treadmill and you don't want any um, any pit stops shooting <laughs> um, but it it was very difficult I think to get it right and I don't think I got it perfect because I actually 
about two-thirds into the run, I did take a pit stop, as we say, um, trying to make it as quick as possible because you know that the clock is ticking. Um, and to go by the books, you have to slow the treadmill down, wait till one of the uh, witnesses tells you you can get off the machine, um, run all the way to the toilet, and run all the way back, and then start the machine up very slowly again. So you know that the clock is ticking. So you don't want anything to go wrong. But, I mean, I tried my best with uh, making sure the nutrition went to plan. But as, as I said, I don't, this is all a new experiment and I don't do a lot of treadmill world records. So <laughs> I didn't have much to go on, should we say. <laughs> yeah. So uh, looking back now, what, what would you say was the most difficult part of that four, nearly four-hour run? I would say, do you know what? I think the nutrition and hydration and just getting it, you know, correct was probably a big factor for me. I think the treadmill record wasn't that bad in the physicality of running. Um, you know, I, I run ultras all the time. You know that you can do it and dig deep and push through the pain and, you know, the last hour it's hurting, you know, everything's screaming and you're kind of going, oh, I've got a whole hour still to do. But, you you know, you're used to that. I think for me, actually, it was the fact that it was a world record and and you wanted to get every factor right and you didn't want to mess anything up. Um, being on a treadmill, I mean, <laughs> it, it sounds a bit stupid, but the thing I was worried about most was actually just falling off the end or something. <laughs> Doing something stupid, like you're running along and you, you miss the belt and then, and then you go flying. That was probably my kind of little thought going through my head the whole time was just don't, don't fall off, you know. Um, so that was probably my biggest concern. Um, but, yeah, I mean, once you've got the physical training preparation done, you know you can do it. It's just executing the plan, really. Mm-hmm. So the I took a look at your Twitter feed and you posted a couple of pictures from actually, you know, being on the run. And I think it's a great couple of shots because it's you clearly having a great day smiling. Then the second shot is you clearly straining a little bit. And the last one is you, after you've completed the run, laying on the belt from the treadmill. What were you <laughs> feeling at the end there? Was, are you, you know, excited? Were you just glad to be done? What was going through your mind? Um, probably summarized in one word, relief. Um, actually when that photo was taken, I was lying on the belt because weirdly in the back of my mind, I think it was all in a bit of a blur. I thought, am I actually allowed to get off yet? You know, <laughs> the legality of, you know, when you actually allowed off the treadmill and the, the camera was rolling and I was just lying on the treadmill going, well, if I lie down here, at least I'm not doing anything wrong. <laughs> um, and also, it was the nearest place to lie down, to be <laughs> honest. Um, I was feeling mostly relief, um, kind of thankful that I did it. Um, and I think probably because the last half an hour, I actually had really bad stitches because I was having, I think, as I said before, a little bit of um, kind of gut trouble. Um, you know, I was finding it really hard to take on fluids at the end and take on any of my fuel. And I was really cramping up, so... I think it was just lying down seemed the nicest thing to do after straining for the last 
40 minutes or something in a lot of pain. As you said, my last photo, I, I looked like I was concentrating, should we say, and, and just grinding it out. Um, so I was just relief and kind of glad that it all went to plan, really. Um, yeah, I think just relief. Relief it was done and that I'd done it, you know. And everyone's around me going, yeah, you've done it, you're the world record holder. And <laughs> it took a while to sink in what that meant. It was just more... I'm glad I've done it kind of thing. Well, that's done and great, you know, it worked kind of thing. Yeah. Well, an awesome accomplishment. And I guess in some ways this has been a long time in the making. I understand you've actually been running marathons or you started running marathons at a relatively young age. What, uh, what drew, yeah. what drew you to the distance? Well, I, I don't know if anything particularly drew me. I think it was, I mean, I've, I come from a really sporty family and I mean, literally since I was able to walk, I ran, you know, and I did loads of races through school and I was, you know, district athletic champion and I love sports and I love running. I mean, it's just who I am. So I, when I was in university, I did lots of half marathons and 10 Ks and it was just seemed like the next thing to do. So when I was, I think 18, 19, I'm like, yeah, why not? I'll just, I'll just try a marathon, see what happens. Um, and then I just did loads of marathons and kind of discovered trail running. Um, not necessarily ultra running, but just trail running. There are loads of events around in the countryside, um, sort of on the outskirts of London, the city. Um, and I just loved it. And obviously, loads of trail runs, they, they don't specify distance in like, you know, a marathon or half marathon. Some are 20, some are 30 milers, 50 k's. And so I just kind of built up the distance and I did my first 50 miler and went, actually, this is kind of fun. <laughs> and not only that, but I kind of, I'm kind of okay at this, you know, it's, it's not too bad. And once you've done a few of them, you start thinking about, okay, well, I can know I can do it. Now let's see how good I can be. And I guess that was a couple of years ago. I was like, right, let's see how good you can be, how fast you can be. Um, and then after you start getting a bit more, should we say, competitive, you just start seeing how far you can go. And I mean, now I'm I'm looking at qualifying for the GB team, hopefully. Um, but that's my goal. So, I mean, it's just you're always looking at not really what's next, what's not bigger and better, but how, how good can you get, you know? What's the limit, you know? So that's really how I started, <laughs> long story short. <laughs> that's, that's, that's great. That's a, that's a great story. So how has your, as you've progressed and become more competitive, how have you changed your training and your diet and those sort of things? I think the biggest thing happened about two or maybe three, two years ago, I'd say. It felt like a penny dropped when I realized that in order to be the best I could be, the best athlete and train the best, it wasn't necessarily just all about running. It's about everything you do as an athlete so that's optimizing sleep optimizing nutrition um optimizing your um your psychology the way you kind of prepare for races your you know your your mental strength um and i just started to get really interested in how i could affect every single part of my life to optimize it to be the best i could be um, and that's actually when I started working with this team I keep speaking about because they've got sports psychologists and stuff like that. Um, in regards to my training specifically, 
I think it was more about taking a real interest in cutting out the junk, you know? You know, you, you, your cliche ultra runner who just runs loads and loads of miles at your kind of average pace. I started to think about specific training plans, working on uh, speed work, working on strength work, working on hill, hill work. Um, so it's more specificity. Um, I looked at um, working with, a, uh, even though I'm a running coach myself, I mean, you can't coach yourself. You need, a, you need someone with outside perspective. So I worked with um, an Olympi- Olympian coach. He works with Olympians and things. And he gives me really good outside perspective on what training I should be doing for each particular event. Um, for example, for this, this treadmill run, it was a lot of uh, lactate threshold work. So working at the right heart rate that is sort of not necessarily speed work, but sort of your threshold work um, and building that, that uh, time from one hour, two hours, three hours, um, working on upper end speed as well. So, you know, pushing your VO2 up, um, anaerobic threshold work but also working on my strengths as well. I think that's the key that maybe before um, I didn't take my training as seriously, I didn't do. I mean, you know, I think we all as runners need to work on our strength work. So building the weights up, working on our stability, you know, ironing out weaknesses of the body before we go out and just run loads of miles. So I think the biggest difference is that I don't get as injured as before. Um so yeah, just just perfecting training a bit more, taking it more seriously. <laughs> Not just doing what I love, doing what I have to do. Um, if that's a good answer. <laughs> so I see that you specialized in uh, sports psychology. How does that play yes. into your approach to some of these events, the the larger events? Oh, I mean, you know, I think it's such a big component. Um, preparing for a race, uh, getting the right mindset, um, many aspects. I think one of the biggest things before a race is is making sure that not only you physically taper and get the right physical training in, but that you prepare mentally. I mean, what are you expecting of yourself in the race? I mean, if it's going to be physically demanding, then naturally it's going to be mentally demanding. So how are you going to prepare mentally to deal with that? Um, and additionally, when you're going into the race, make sure that not only do you taper physically um, so that your legs are fresh, taper mentally. Make sure that your mind um, is kind of fresh. So, you know, we all work stressful weeks. Make sure that you're not overloading yourself with stress at home and at work so that your mind is ready to take on what you're going to do in the race. Um, when it comes to the race itself, um, have you prepared um mentally for what you're going to do visualizing what the race is going to entail um thinking about what kind of things are you going to struggle with mentally in the race and and how you'll combat that so you know if certain things are going to happen in the race you've got big hills you know that certain mileage you're going to maybe start to hurt how are you going to cope with that how are you going to talk yourself out of the hard times and find a way of keeping yourself positive and just rehearsing that before the race because we all know it's going to happen but there's a there's a difference between knowing it's going to happen and going yeah 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 i'll be tough i'm sure i'll be tough in the race and actually practicing it you know when you go out on your long run practicing being mentally strong rehearsing what you will say to yourself um and how you will cope with it um and just 
getting used to understanding yourself. What are your weaknesses mentally as much as physically um, and knowing how to deal with that? Um, I think the more you know yourself and you know how you, um, what your weaknesses are at times when you are in pain and knowing how to combat that, how to deal with yourself um, is the best way to optimize your race performance, not only physically, but therefore mentally, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's great stuff. And just building on that uh, mental aspect a little bit more, I'd love to get your opinion. Uh, One of the things that I think a lot of uh, average marathoners, average runners struggle with is getting to the starting line in that mindset. Um, what what would you tell the runners that you coach if you know you've got a big marathon coming up? Let's say you're trying to qualify for Boston. Um, what what kind of what do you want your your athlete thinking that morning and as they approach the start line? What what should be the right mindset? I think the biggest thing. Um, before the race is to have confidence in yourself because a positive attitude and having confidence in yourself that you can do that marathon um, is going to carry you through the hard times because you'll believe in yourself. Self-belief is so important. And I mean, self-belief obviously comes from the training, the physical training as well. So obviously you want to make sure that you've completed some good training so that you know, okay, well, I I nailed that training, so therefore I know physically I can do it. But also mentally having belief in yourself, having confidence before you go into the start pen and ready to race, being confident, that's the biggest thing. But then again, also in the race itself, I think some psychological tips that you can have, I would say to my, my coaches is, commit to the task at hand you're going to commit to the pain that you will go through in the race so know it's going to be happening and go okay i accept how hard this is going to be and i'm ready for it so you commit to the task at hand accept what the goal will actually entail you know if you want to you know qualify for boston or run a really hard time like a sub three hour or whatever it may be you've got to know it's not going to be easy and you've got to accept that and you've got to say to yourself, okay, this is going to hurt, but I, I accept that's going to happen and I'm going to commit to what I want out of this and I also have confidence that I can do it. Um, I'd say there's some big key words and probably when it comes to your mindset throughout the actual race, I'd say it's staying in the present, so staying in the moment, not thinking about, you know, mile 20 and when it's going to hurt or near the finish line because that that's irrelevant now when you're running say mile five you need just to be focusing on where you are then how you're feeling looking after yourself then staying more, you know positive mentally then and just working through each bit of the race as it happens i think they're the biggest tips i could summarize in kind of bullet point form for uh, for someone who was going to go for a big race like that that's that's ter- terrific advice. I know so much of what we see in magazines and read. It's it's sort of the the physical part. It's run this many miles, do this many repeats. But I, I think that mental aspect, the psychology, definitely gets neglected by a lot of runners. Oh, definitely. I I mean, you know, I think it's it's such a big component because 
I mean, there's so much doubt that us, you know, before a race, you, you're worrying, have I done this? Have I done that? And before you know it, you're doubting yourself so much that even though you may be able to do it, you don't believe you can, and then you therefore don't run that time. Um, so whether you physically can or not may not be the factor that affects whether you actually do or not. I think it's a combination of the bo- both of them. I mean, you have to go out and do the physical training, but the mental aspect, that's just the, the icing on the cake. You need, you, need, you need that, but you need to kind of have both. So keeping your coaching hat on for a minute here, what uh, what's, prob- what's the biggest mistake you see beginning runners make? I would say um, stepping up their training too soon. Um, I think progression is very important. Um, consistency in training. So it's not like, you know, one week I'll, they may start with only 20 miles in total for the week and then they go oh this is great you know and they before they know it they're next week they want to do 30 miles and, and their long run they're building it up too much too soon i think that's one um should we say thing that beginners may do wrong um but additionally i think it, again as i've spoken about it comes to the strength work and before you start running or maybe you want to start a marathon program you're a beginner to marathon pro uh, running you know your body that you might have biomechanical areas of weakness that once you start putting extra load onto certain muscles and you, you know, you're increasing your mileage, the load that you're doing each week is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. At some point, if that body, that, that, you know, that strength of the body itself isn't, isn't up to scratch up to that, that heavy load you're putting it through, then it's going to break down. And so everyone goes, Oh, it must be because I'm running too much. Well, not necessarily. Maybe it's the fact that you just need to work on the strength work in itself to make sure that it can cope with that increase of mileage and increase of strain on the body. So I would say probably the top two would be too much too soon um, and not doing all the other components that go with training. Because I think, you know, we all can probably admit that being in a gym or you know, pumping iron, doing the strength work is not the fun bit. We want to get out on the trails. We want to get out running. But in order to make sure that we can do that injury-free, we have to do all the boring bits, you know, the, the strength work, the, the squats, the, you know, the calf raises, the deadlifts, the, the ab work, making sure our core is strong. That's going to make sure that we can go out and run all those miles. So I'd say they're my two top tips. Yeah, that second part certainly resonates with me. I'm um, I'm in that boat of being injured and certainly neglected to do much other than running. So I need to take. Oh no! Yes, I know. I need to take that to heart. So, so getting back to your uh, to your running and, and racing, can you uh, just at a high level take us through what you want to uh, accomplish in 2015? I know you've got some some big races. I think the biggest. Well, I mean my biggest drive at the moment is to qualify for the GB team um, for the trail championships. Um, so the the championships, uh, trail championships for 2014 is going to be in May in Annecy, and that's the world championship. So each team, each com- country selects a team of four or five um, men and then four or five women to go and represent them. Um, and that happens each year. Um, so I'm looking to qualify for next year. 
Um, there is also the 100K um, World Championships, which you may know about was in Doha last year in November. Um, and that's another option. But I think my heart really resides in trail running and the trail championship. So that's my biggest goal. Um, and in order to qualify and be selected for the team, um, I have to either podium in the British championships. So basically it's like the selection race where they will choose their top three or four. Um, and they'll also choose a few other girls for the team who have performed really well throughout the year. So basically this year is all about performing really well when it counts and especially at this British Championships, which will be in the summer. Other than that, um, I've got some big races, which for me are big A goals. Um, in actually a week's time, I'm lining up on for a 50-miler, um, which is called the South Downs Way 50, and it's a really competitive field this year. Um, and it's, it's always a competitive, fast race, but this year more than uh, any other year. Um, so that's in a week. Um, and then later on in the season, um, I'm doing the Mont Blanc 80K um, in Chamonix and the Matterhorn, which is uh, one of the sky running ultra races of the year, which is in August. Um, so they're the key big races I've got going on this year. Obviously, my mind at the moment is focused on next week <laughs> and how that's going to go. We'll see. <laughs> so looking forward, do you see yourself taking another run at beating your own record? Uh, the treadmill record? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, um, I don't know if I'll go for the same one. I mean, let's see how long the record lasts or whether some some cheeky other female is uh, got it lined up already. Um, we'll have to see whether someone else wants to take my record and how, how low they can bring it. But um, I think I probably would, I mean, let, I mean, all of that aside, I probably would consider the 50-mile uh, treadmill record, which sounds tempting, um, <laughs> considering that most of my races, my, my, should we say my sweet spot for races, seems to be about 50 miles. It's, it's kind of short enough that you can really race it and, and go for far sort of speed ultra, um, but, you know, n not short enough that it's sort of marathon distance. It's 50 miles seems like a good distance to get my teeth into. So I think that, that a 50 mile on a treadmill, that would be kind of appealing. She says kind of half wondering what on earth I'm talking about. <laughs> 50 <laughs> miles on a treadmill. Um, yeah, I, I think it could be it could be an attractive challenge, you know, because that you're talking I don't know, God, picking numbers out of my head, but you know, six hours, five five something hours, six hours. That's that. Yeah, that's going to be a long time on a treadmill, <laughs> <laughs> but fast. You know, it's not like I mean, in Dennis, the weekend I did mine. I mean, he was on it for twelve hours. That's a long time. That's that's a long time. Um, I don't know whether I'll do that. <laughs> Well, well, we'll be keeping an eye out for that one, and uh, I think Brian and I will leave the 50-mile treadmill runs to the experts. Yeah, I think it's kind of funny that you say the 50-mile is raceable. When Joe and I have these conversations, and we're both marathoners, we talk about a 5K being raceable. So to hear, to hear you <laughs> well, say 50 is kind of, wow. I think I think it's probably because I've done quite a few of them that I feel now I'm, I'm more not just completing them. It's about racing, being at the front 
know, the front end of the field and, you know, you're racing the, fir- the few positions, you know, which the first, second, third place up for grab, that, that's about racing. So it becomes about speed, you know, ultra speed. Um, marathons, I still want to crack a good PB. I mean, I kind of jumped straight over my marathon PBs and didn't really want to work on them too much. I'm, you know, I'm, I still even have, uh, haven't actually cracked a sub three hour PB for my marathon. I mean, it's kind of like a goal at the back of my, my mind, but it never seems to take priority. You know, my main ultra races do. Um, and, and Hey, maybe I might even go for a 50 K on the road just to see how they compare. You know, that would be mm-hmm. quite a good thing to do. Um, but that's all has to be squeezed in in between all these other races. So we'll see what uh, the future holds. And you never know. You never know. <laughs> well, this has been awesome. This is really inspirational and informative. And we appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. No worries. So uh, if people want to get a hold of you, what's the, the best ways? I would say the best ways to get a hold of me is probably on Twitter. Um which is always really easy for everyone, which is at gems, spelled G-E-M-S underscore Carter, C-A-R-T-E-R. I'm on Facebook, that's Gemma Carter. And if you want to look at my website, um, which is more my business end of client work, coaching work, but it's got a little bit of my own my own stuff, my own running, that's www.cartercoaching, all one word, .co.uk. Um, and I'm more than happy to talk so get in touch. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Gemma. Really, we really do appreciate the so time. Much. And best of luck with all your running. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And yours as well. Good luck for whatever's next. All right. Well, that does it for now. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at McRunner26. And Brian is at RunGooseRun. Until next time, keep running. Want more info on the podcast? Head over to milesnotincluded.com. Are you on Twitter? We are too. Find us at MNI Podcast. Any questions, comments, or even like to be a guest on the show? Hit us up at podcast at milesnotincluded.com. Music.